Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Breaking news that we're following. Classified government documents found inside one of President Biden's private offices. This morning, new details surrounding those classified documents discovered at President Biden's Delaware home. Remember this? It was huge news for about eight seconds, and then it was forgotten. Joe Biden classified documents in his house, in his office, back when he was vice president, back when he was a senator, taking classified stuff home? That was a big deal. They actually appointed a special investigator, a special counsel to look into all this. His name was Robert Hur. You probably never heard of him, right? Because <laughs> he disappeared as soon as he got the assignment. Uh, and guess what? I believe he did what he was told. <laughs> no charges against Joe Biden. Everything's fine. Even though Joe had secret stuff in his house by his own admission going back almost 50 years. I made voluntarily, no one's had to threaten to do anything, voluntarily open every single aperture I have with the house, offices, everything, for them to come and look and spend hours searching my home, invited them, nobody, and so, and the best of my knowledge, the kinds of things they picked up are things that from 1974, and stray papers, there may be something else I don't know. Every aperture, he said. Best of my knowledge, maybe something else I don't know, but what he did say, 1974, classified stuff was still classified stuff, even in 1974. And junior senators had no business taking classified documents home, even in 1974. Now, you contrast this to how they're treating our president, President Trump. August 8th, 2022, I will never forget that day, where I was, right here, in this building, my office downstairs, and I found out that the FBI had raided Mar-a-Lago. I was so incensed. They actually did it. And the country felt different to me, different. And then they put those papers on the ground, pretending it was something that it wasn't. And then the whole world acted shocked and disgusted, including the hypocrite in chief. And you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago. What did you think to yourself, looking at that image? How that could possibly happen. How one, anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that I mean names of people who helped, or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. You know, I am so naive sometimes. I really thought that this moment would doom Joe Biden. The hypocrisy. A couple of weeks later, they found all kinds of classified documents, and he had no business, none, zero, as a senator or a vice president or an ex-vice president taking any of that stuff or having any of that stuff. But, hey, remember, it's all about get Trump, and he was actually indicted. He's facing a court date. Donald Trump is. Jack Smith 
anonymous name, but not an anonymous guy. Not like Robert Herr. This is the indictment of Donald Trump. Good afternoon. Today, an indictment was unsealed, charging Donald J. Trump with felony violations of our national security laws, as well as participating in a conspiracy to obstruct justice. Our laws that protect national defense information are critical to the safety and security of the United States, and they must be enforced. They're pulling a fast one on the American people. Most people have no clue when it comes to classified materials, right? It sounds very impressive. That stamp, secret, it looks very impressive. They're counting on us not knowing and kind of having a romantic kind of awe about classified material. Who remembers Top Gun? Excuse me, Lieutenant. Is there something wrong? Yes, ma'am. The data on the MiG is inaccurate. How's that, Lieutenant? We happened to see a MiG-28 do a 4G negative dive. Where did you see this? That's classified. It's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Ooh, it's a great line. It charmed Kelly McGillis, and it can fool the American people. But this classified thing is a great big hoax. It's a game that they admit they play. You know, Strzok, remember Peter Strzok from the FBI and Page, the two who schemed to try to block President Trump's election back in 2016? Here's Peter Strzok, the disgraced ex-FBI agent on television. Look at what's behind him. A bunch of secret documents decorating the house. Yep, those are secret cover sheets decorating, you know, and he's just an FBI agent. What the heck is going on here? They're careless. It's not a big deal, but the president himself has special access and can, quite frankly, do almost anything he wants with these documents. Check out George W. Bush. This goes all the way back to 2006. President Bush authorized an aide to disclose classified intelligence on Iraqi weapons. Yep, he did that. Next, it came as no shock to official Washington. Why? When they found out he leaked classified stuff, why was it no shock? The leaking of secrets has long been a favored tool of policy debate, political combat, and diplomatic one-upmanship. Now, regular people don't know anything about diplomatic one-upmanship, right? So they're counting on us being ignorant, and they're going to just ram this thing through. Donald Trump has a court date. This documents case, is go the trial starts May 20th of next year. Now, here's something that nobody points out. You only get it on this show. The documents, well, <laughs> they arrived at Mar-a-Lago when he was president. He had every right to them. Take a look at this. He left office. Well, these are the documents actually leaving office, the documents in question on January 20th, 2021. Some nosy bureaucrat at the archives sees this on TV and gets all upset. I can remember watching the Trumps leaving the White House and saying to myself, what the hell is in that box? So that guy starts the whole thing. Yeah, that began a whole process of trying to determine whether any records had not been turned over to the archives. Well, big guy. Donald Trump was still president at that moment, and he had right to anything, anything he wanted in the government. He left the White House the last day in office at 8 in the morning, okay? He gets on Air Force One. He arrives in Palm Beach at 11 in the morning, 11 a.m., and he gets back to Mar-a-Lago with all of his stuff 
at 11.32 in the morning. He is still president of the United States. Joe Biden takes the oath, let's see here, 13 minutes early hmm, uh, at 11.47 a.m. So the documents are already there. He had full and clear access to anything because he was president of the United States when that stuff got there. Anyway, it's a trap and it's a phony one. Don't forget that. Next. Police and protesters clash outside the DNC headquarters. Top party leaders trapped inside. How the pro-Palestinian protests escalated in our nation's capital. Just a pro-Palestinian uh, demonstration. That's it. Pro-Palestinian. How innocuous. How about pro-terrorist? How about degenerate thugs who are in favor of the murder of babies? No, because the media agrees with them. So they, they take care of them. Next. Tensions over the Israel-Hamas war boiling over into clashes. Pro-Palestinian protesters calling for a ceasefire, clashing with police in front of the Democratic National Committee headquarters in Washington, D.C. Wow, that actually looks pretty intense. And there were lawmakers trapped inside? This looks like anything I saw on January 6th, maybe even worse. But not a threat to democracy, right? Everybody kind of goes on like normal. What happened? Four officers, I'm sorry, six officers, six officers were assaulted. Wow. And again, that looks pretty intense there. There's kicking, there's shoving, there's pepper spray. Uh, and how many people were arrested? One. One person arrested. And then the Capitol Police, they were in charge of the response here, put out the most bizarre statement. You want to go through it with me? This is a very strange law enforcement organization. Number one, when the group moved dumpsters in front of the exits, pepper sprayed our officers and attempted to pick up the bike rack, our teams quickly introduced consequences. They introduced consequences. This is, uh, this is definitely run by Congress, right? Next, please. Pulling people off the building, pushing them back, and clearing them from the area so we could safely evacuate the members and staff. Wow. Uh, are we going to hear from police officers at congressional hearings talking about the, the agony of dealing with the riot? Why is this thing being so minimized and January 6th being so maximized? And when you look at them side by side... There were moments during January 6th that looked like a picnic compared to what happened yesterday at the DNC. How about that? Actually, you know, January 6th, a lot of it was just fine. A lot of people didn't hurt anything, didn't break anything, didn't hurt anybody, didn't break anything. And yeah, it looked like a tourist attraction. Parts of it that day did. Remember, a lot of these people were allowed into the Capitol. We have incontrovertible photographic and video proof of that. The horns guy, he didn't break anything. He didn't hurt anybody. So the DNC uh, protesters last night, the rioters, they were there to, uh, what were they there for? Calling for a ceasefire, calling for, I call for the release of the hostages. How many days has it been? 40 days, 40 days. And they're underground in those horrible tunnels in the hands of terrorists. And there doesn't seem to be nearly the level of global sympathy for them that one would think would be logical. And enough with the calling for a ceasefire or a couple of days off or even a four-hour pause. You know, this country was at war for a long time. I don't remember ever hearing anything about a pause or a ceasefire. Do you? In eight years in Iraq or uh, 20 years in Afghanistan, ceasefire? Pause? No. I just heard generals telling me how good it was getting, how we were improving right up until the day we lost. 
And these terrorists are using children as human shields. Did you see this video from a baby's bedroom in Gaza? Yeah, right under there. That's where they keep the missiles and the rockets. Total savages. God bless the children. As you know, I just concluded several hours of meetings with President Xi, and I believe there are some of the most constructive and productive discussions we've had. Yeah, well, uh, the whole the thing yesterday was weird. Uh, a weird meeting with the president of China, and then a weird press conference. He was there for, basically took uh, questions for about 10 minutes, and how many? Uh, five questions, all pre-selected. He all seemed, he seemed to know ahead of time, and it was just strangely staged. You couldn't even hear the questions, and I think they did that on purpose to help protect Joe. I am embarrassed. I think it's CBS, but I can't remember who is CBS. I'm sorry. Uh, Thank you, Mr. President. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I apologize. Uh, you continue to stress the need to ensure competition with China. Does uh, nobody can hear what she's saying. Like Charlie Brown's parents, the adults in Charlie Brown, they did it that way on purpose. They don't want the reporters to gather any kind of momentum. Not that they would, not that they would all kind of like, you know, a pack and go in the same direction. Every now and then that's a good thing. Um, they were just so nice, weirdly nice. Dimitri of the Financial Times has the first question. Uh, thank you. And as an Irishman, I apologize for bringing the rain. Well, holy God, I wouldn't have called on you if I'd known that. Ay, ay, ay. You see how kind it is, how fun, how tame. Has anybody seen the, the laptop? Nobody has ever asked him about the laptop. There are serious questions to ask Joe, right? Important ones that could change history. Here's what I would have done if I were at that press conference. It's very easy, okay? He's never been asked this kind of stuff. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, Mr. President, um, your own son, Hunter's lawyers, have confirmed that uh, he received money from China and he shared that money with your brother, your granddaughters, and your daughter-in-law, his girlfriend, Haley. Uh, you denied all this in the debate, by the way. You said he didn't get any money. Now he acknowledges he got plenty of money. Uh, being that I know that, President Xi probably knows that, um, how much of a disadvantage do you think you are at right now in terms of these conversations uh, because you are clearly compromised? Huh? Ah, now that's a question. Let's see. What else would I have asked? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of President Xi, where the hell is he? <laughs> it's just him. It was just him yesterday. That doesn't make any sense. Every time they have a big meeting like this, it's a joint press conference afterwards. Uh, Trump did it with Putin. Trump also did it with President Xi. Uh, Obama, the same way. They are not afraid to appear in public together, but Joe is. Why is that? That's a really good question. Is he afraid that, I don't know, um, he might be called out? Maybe President Xi would allude to the money problems of Hunter in front of Joe and the world press, and that could be really catastrophic. It's a worthy question, don't you think? And these meetings, where were they? It looks like they were walking around some garden in San Francisco, uh, Joe Biden and yeah, can I see that please? Yeah, Wh who, whose house is this? I don't know. 
It looks, is it a public park? I do know this. When President Xi met with President Trump, you know where they did it? Mar-a-Lago. I mean, that's the president's house. He's in charge. That meant a lot. You may think it's you know, silly or something like that. No, people respect that. It's a world-famous home worthy of a president, and he earned it. All right. Oh, one other thing happened yesterday. He said something he should not have said, being that the president of China was in the next room. This is uh, what a 50-year veteran of politics should know not to say, but he said it. Mr. President, after today, would you still refer to President Xi as a dictator? This is a term uh, that we used earlier this year. Well, look, he is. I mean, he's a dictator in the sense that he, he is a guy who runs a country that is a communist country. You see that? He called him a dictator. Now, I admit, I'm not, I don't work at the State Department, but the guy who does, the guy who runs the State Department, as soon as he heard that, he was mortified. Mr. President, after today, would you still refer to President Xi as a dictator? This is a term uh, that you used earlier this year. Well, look, he is. I mean, he's a dictator in the sense that he, he is a guy who runs the country. Oh, you see that? Oof. Oof. He did it again. They're always picking up the pieces with this guy, and they can't go all in on America. They got to take care of a boss who's not up to the job. Please, Jill Biden, please. Anthony, Tony, whatever, talk to him. He has to resign. This can't go on for much longer. And I'll be right back. So do you remember this? It was a skirmish outside of an abortion clinic a couple of years ago. You know, some guy pushed the child of Mark Houck, a pro-life activist, and there was, he, he pushed back. Well, Crazily, he was arrested. And not only was he arrested, Mark Houck, the father of that child, the FBI sent the SWAT team, uh, charged him with all kinds of uh, violations of the FACE Act, something called the FACE Act. Well, a jury saw right through this, and Mark Houck was acquitted, thankfully. What a glorious day that was. Um, but you know what? He's, uh, he's still got a grievance. I mean, <laughs> the FBI came barging into his house because he pushed a guy who pushed his son. Uh, Mark Houck is now suing the Department of Justice. He joins us now along with Sean Carney, the founder and CEO of 40 Days for Life, a pro-life organization. Welcome to you both. Mark, welcome back. Uh, kind of glossed over some of the details, but that's the gist of it, I believe. Uh, how you feeling right now? <laughs> well, look, uh, every day's a new normal for us here at the Houck family. So. Here we are, you know, uh, pursuing justice, and rightfully so. So we're excited. At the same time, you know, there's a little trepidation there because there's a new target on our back, I think. But, um, you know, we need to do it. It's for the American people, and we need to hold the government accountable for the injustice. You know, I, I've been saying and sharing a lot with people that for 15 years, my wife and I uh, preserved the innocence of our children. And uh, the government and the DOJ the Obama uh, or the Biden administration, almost an Obama administration, uh, took that innocence away in an instant. And uh, they need to be held accountable for that. Now, the only thing here, the only uh, beef I have, let's see, the lawsuit seeks $1.1 million for malicious prosecution and $3.25 million in damages. Why are you only asking for that 
much money. I think you should be asking for a lot more. I mean, it, it seems, I'm serious, it seems kind of modest given what you went through. How did you arrive at that figure? Sure. Well, the, the attorneys arrived at that figure it's in this particular wave of the lawsuit. And uh, it, it's going to be the first of, of, of many, essentially, where whereby we just do an accounting of um, the initial income lost and and the initial damages. There will be a follow up uh, lawsuit that will deal with the punitive side of things. And that's where I think you'll feel satisfied, as will many Americans, that the government is um, uh found to be guilty of gross negligence, and that's where the, the larger numbers come. <clears throat> Sean Carney, founder and CEO of 40 Days for Life. Uh, you were working with Mark at the time. Um, I'm <laughs> I, I, I just astounded that our government went this far. Am I missing something? Was there anything more than the pushing and the shoving that happened that, oh, by the way, Mark did not start? No, there's just no there there. That's why a, a jury in Philly acquitted Mark. The local police didn't press charges. The local pro-abortion DA didn't press charges. The FBI just just came up with this out of nowhere. They have a 98% conviction rate. I mean, if they come after you, you're done. Mark was facing 11 years in the federal penitentiary, and, and he's part of that 2% because this was so absurd. And the reason it's absurd is because Mark and, and the pro-life movement and our, our peaceful vigils across the country didn't change. The DOJ changed. You know, we worked with a lot of the great men and women inside the FBI and inside the DOJ going back to 2007 when we started. They've been very fair. They've been very helpful to protecting our volunteers. And then Roe is overturned. And all of a sudden they have this, you know, recent uh, recently found uh, hatred and bigotry for, for Catholic Americans, we've seen that, and, and pro-life Americans, and, and Mark is the most extreme example of that. The FACE Act, that's what you were charged of, uh, with violating. B-01, please, full screen. The FACE Act, Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances. All right, that's what it stands for. And what is it, how is it defined? B-02 prohibits violent, threatening, obstructive conduct intended to injure or interfere with the right to seek, obtain, or provide re reproductive health services. Um, intimidating language, but kind of overly broad, I think. And, uh, you know, seek to interfere, interfere with the right. Look, you were just talking. What did you want to do that day, Mark? And I know you've been totally absolved, but what 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 did you want to achieve? So for the past 20 years, Greg, I've been going down to the city of Philadelphia and, um, you know, we're just there to pray and and it's part of the you know 40 days for life and campaigns around the country that we participate in and it's it's a peaceful prayerful experience whereby we offer free freely uh literature and and help to men and women who are abortion minded and um and that's what we do we offer those services and we're protected under the face act as well because we have a pregnancy resource center that's right there where we where we we stand and and we can take these girls escort them just like the uh the Planned Parenthood escorts uh, take them into their building. So we're, we're doing the same things that they're doing. And um, yeah, there was on that particular day, Greg, there was no women uh, involved. It was just a very uh, aggressive uh, escort who was violating all the rules of their engagement as came up in the trial. And he no longer is welcome at that facility by Planned Parenthood. So the FBI outside your house um, and then they came in. I, I, might, I don't think this picture where they're at the doorbell really kind of uh, illustrates what actually happened. Tell me what that morning was like, what they did, and at any point, well, I'll say that, what did they do? 
Right. Well, that image is, is taken about five minutes after everything. And, and I'm already in custody at that point in a vehicle. But essentially, at 645 in the morning, there was a heavy bang at my door uh, where someone was ringing the doorbell and yelling, open up. And that was pretty much it. They didn't announce themselves. I went to the door. I asked them to, you know, please declare who they were. Who is it? And they uh, they rang the doorbell, banged the door again, and said, hurry up, open up. It's the FBI. I said, okay, stay calm. I'm about to come out. I have seven babies in here. Please stay calm. So I could tell the urgency on their voice. I didn't know what was going on. And I didn't know why they were there. So I came out. And, uh, of course, I saw 20-plus federal agents and Pennsylvania State Troopers on my property with M16 long guns, heavily armored vests, ballistic helmets, ballistic shields, and um, two battering rams ready to come in if I wasn't at, at that door. So, um, you know, at that point, they, uh, they they patted me down. My wife came down and said, do you have a warrant for the for his arrest? And they said, we're taking him with or without a warrant, a warrant. And that was really the mindset of the DOJ that day. Mark, very quickly, kind of out of time. Um, in this process, and there are some good people in the FBI. We know there are some power crazy weirdos as well. Sorry, but there are. Did anybody apologize to you at any level? Now, the only apologies I ever got were uh, from uh, congressmen and women at uh, the State of the Union in February after I was acquitted. I uh, got no apologies from anybody uh, at the DOJ or the prosecution, nothing like that. Well, you certainly deserve one, and who knows, you may get one from the director of the FBI someday as part <laughs> of uh, this lawsuit when they settle, if they settle. They would be wise to settle, but I think you're going to get a lot of money and you deserve it. Mark Houck, thank you very much. Go to Houck for con Wait a second. Are you running for Congress? No, that's one of, the, one of our other responses to this whole mess. Yes, absolutely. Uh, H-O-U-C-K for Congress.com. Forgive me. I, uh, wow. You're running for 2024. What district? Uh, First District, Pennsylvania. Against the only congressman, I might add, who's a former FBI agent. How about that for a narrative? <laughs> Against the, with the incumbent, you mean, right now? The incumbent. He's the only former FBI agent, and he did nothing. He didn't condemn his former employer. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's my uh, – um, he's the one I'm challenging in the primary. Halkforcongress.com. Check it out. And come back soon, sir. And uh, Sean Carney, thank you for all your support. All the best to be continued, and we'll be right back. Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen. This is how most of New Jersey got to know me, as Mrs. Murphy, the First Lady. And serving in this role is the honor of my life. All right, nobody knows who she is. I live two miles away from New Jersey. They get our TV stations, we get their TV stations. Nobody knows or cares. And stop calling yourself the First Lady, okay? I mean, we have one of those in America. It's kind of old-fashioned First Lady of New Jersey. You're the wife of the governor, all right? Next. My story starts back when my name was Tammy Snyder, daughter to Ed and Jean, rambunctious baby sister to four older siblings. Growing up, my parents taught me the importance of education, service to others, and hard work. So that's what I did. Yeah, in other words, average. Nice, but average, like, like everybody else, all right? This, she thinks she should be a senator. Next. College, I went into business like my dad. 
and started a career in finance. A lot of times, I was the only woman at the table. I got to admit, when she said table, I thought boardroom table, but she's out having drinks with the fellas right there. And sometimes that can be, look, I'm telling you, they're at the bar. That's fine, but don't tell me you were working late at night. And you had plenty of fun, it looks like to me. Anyway, uh, yeah, they're boozing it, just like a good Wall Street fat cat should. Next, please. My business career took off, literally. I worked for companies all around the world. My career is also how I met a handsome man named Phil. Look at all that hair. We fell in love and got married. All right, that's beautiful. But, you know, they try to make it sound like, you know, business. Like, what business? Did they manufacture something? No. Did they provide some... They were Goldman Sachs bankers. Goldman Sachs, all right? Two of the last three governors of New Jersey came from Goldman Sachs. I don't know what they do there. I have my reservations. Let's put it... Well, we'll leave it at that. Next. When I was pregnant, and even after they were born, I worried about a million things like all moms do. But I never worried if I'd survive childbirth or if my babies would get the care they needed. I didn't have to. The money in our family's bank account and, frankly, the color of my skin meant I could get the best care available. Yes, white privilege right out of the gate. Apologizing for all that white privilege. Wow. How about that one, huh? Where does she think, what does she think this country is, huh? This became, fa it's disgusting. Next. In New Jersey, women and babies were dying at a higher rate than almost every other state in the country, almost exclusively in our black and brown communities. So even though I knew this would be a tough fight, I got to work. All right. Infant mortality, you know, it is incredibly low in America. She's identifying, you see those babies she rented to hang around with? All right, how did she get to work? What did she actually do? I want to know how she solved infant mortality in New Jersey. Well, improving maternal health is a nationwide issue in New Jersey. First Lady Tammy Murphy has been leading the charge there. First Lady Tammy Murphy has made that issue her focus through the Nurture NJ program. First Lady Tammy Murphy is on a mission to reduce New Jersey's maternal mortality. In just three years, the state has gone from ranking 47th in maternal deaths now to 29th. We've got a long way to go, but we've made real progress on this initiative. Well, what did she do? She went on a bunch of local news shows to talk about, I'm sorry, I think there was a pet project. I don't see anything of substance, and I'm not impressed. She's running because she's the wife of an important rich guy. Next. I'm really proud that New Jersey is now a safer place to give birth to a child. But we've also worked nonstop to make it a great place to raise a child. And that's why combating climate change has been a focus of mine for decades. We're almost done. I know this is getting rather nauseating at this point. Climate change. Because teaching our kids about climate change can make a difference in their ability to succeed in our new green economy. New Jersey students are learning all about climate change, whether in kindergarten, middle or high school. The woman spearheading this is the first lady of New Jersey, aiming to give every student the tools and knowledge to combat climate change. The knowledge and skills to combat climate change. We're putting that in the curriculum, in addition to all the trans garbage that the Murphy administration is pushing, including practices that say, you know, if the child comes out as trans, the teachers aren't allowed to tell the parents, right? These are radical weirdos. They really are. I'm sorry. This is a radical, un-American agenda. And where does she want to go? Because 
I don't know, the white privilege, educated, rich? Yeah, the U.S. Senate. I am so proud of everything we've accomplished, but I know there's a lot more to do, and that's why I'm announcing this. I'm running for the United States Senate because we owe it to our kids to do better. It's about the children. All right, now one more. This is why this campaign is going to flop. Somebody should have told her that this ad is a catastrophe. And look at how it ends. We have big, complicated issues, and solving them won't be easy. But you know what? Nothing worth doing ever is. I'm Tammy Murphy, and I'm ready to work every single day in the United States Senate for you, your family, and our country. Join us. How about that? She doesn't want to take a day off. And look at that look she's giving everybody. What kind of side eye is that? Yeah, those kids were just rented, just hired for the commercial. She wants to get so out of there. All right, maybe I'm being harsh, but whatever. I'm sorry. You can't run for the Senate based on being somebody's wife. Oh, somebody did do that once before, and that didn't work out too well. We'll be right back. to have back with us Andy No, the independent journalist and photographer who has gone to great lengths, put himself at tremendous risk uncovering the extremism of the left. Uh, wherever it happens, he seems to be there with a camera documenting all of it. It is truly amazing the service he has provided all of us. Andy No, thank you again. We're also joined by Brian Lieb, a Jewish activist, very active in the Jewish community, and he's the founder of Henry PR. Gentlemen, welcome back. Andy, know you've been all over uh, extremism. I never knew anti-Semitism was as prevalent as it seems to be. Does this come as a surprise to you, or did you sense this all along? I think the openness of it is was surprising to me in that, for example, in contrast to the 2020 BLM Antifa riots, the people who were supportive of that were generally a little bit more subtle about what they were demanding or um, rioting over. For example, they would say things like they were protesting for racial justice, whereas some of the chants that we're hearing um, in Europe, in the United States, all over the world have been um, calling explicitly for the destruction of Israel. Uh, and then some of the more extreme chants have, have expressed support for Hamas. And some have also um, chanted Arabic expressions um, about Muhammad's army slaughtering Jewish communities again. You have been watching this globally. Um, where does it seem to be most intense? I'm in New York. I see it all around. It seems bad here. Uh, but from your vantage point, I know you have a lot of um, experience in Europe. Where is it the most intense? Or is it just all equal everywhere, just hate everywhere? The religious extremism, uh, in my view, is worse in Western Europe. However, the open hatred in terms of what is actually being said is more audible and visible in the U.S. because of the first amendment. Um, outside of the U.S. in these countries and in the EU and the U.K., there actually is hate crime legislation where you cannot openly incite uh, uh, hatred or violence against ethnic groups or religious communities. Wow. Uh, Brian Lieb, was this a wake-up call for you? I know you're very close to the issue, but I am still shocked. Granted, I am, I'm not Jewish and I uh, don't hang out with the left, but your thoughts, please. So, Greg, I don't think uh, Jews uh, on the right in this country are really shocked uh, about 
what's happening right now. I think it's uh, Jews on the left, liberal Jews, that are uh, really waking up and having their own reckoning with uh, with what's happening. You know, they thought that standing with uh, with BLM was going to get them support, and now they are pulling a complete 180 and saying we were wrong to stand with BLM. Uh, you had liberal Jews that were so anti-gun, never would touch a gun, and now they're going out to the gun stores and they're buying guns. And all of this is happening, uh, Greg, because Jews don't feel safe in this country right now. We don't feel safe because there's Hamas sympathizers walking the streets that you're seeing on the screen right now. And what I can't wrap my head around, Greg, is why if you are here on a student visa and you are supporting Hamas, you are openly inciting violence against other Americans, why are we not revoking your student visas and deporting you within 24 hours? That's what I can't wrap my head around. Yeah, no, totally. You know, in a weird way, and I know this is kind of a strange thing to observe, but Andy No and, and, and Brian, does this make a terrorist attack from Islamic extremists less likely in that they seem to have global support? So why would they strike in Western Europe? Why would they strike in America if bizarrely they have so much support here. Does that make sense, Andy? I know it's kind of, I hate that that might be an offshoot of this, or then again, I might like that it's an offshoot of this as much as I hate what's going on. Uh, unfortunately, since the 7th of October, there have been a number of jihadist attacks that have happened in Western Europe. There was a deadly knife attack uh, in England that authorities have said that um, is Islamist motivated and is uh, allegedly linked to the Israel and Hamas war. So unfortunately, the question is um, uh, a bit late at this yeah. time. Moot as well. Moot. Your personal safety. Tell us about your, you know, you're a man, you receive death threats daily, uh, both online and in real time, in real life. We want you to be around for a long time, Andy. I know you take some risks. Um, you're assessing it every day, I hope? I am. The, the type of work that I'm doing is dangerous. Of course, I have security measures, which I, I can't discuss. But the reason why I continue going out, even though I've had people attempt to kill me before, is that this we cannot, we cannot rely on the mainstream media to be there out on the ground to capture what's happening. In fact, you can see over and over the demonstrations have been covered. Uh, in, in the mainstream media in the U.S., they, they'll describe them as peaceful or passionate, or they use these other euphemisms. When you see from videos that are recorded by Jewish people, you see this open incitement to violence, open expressions of hatred, support for terrorism, and that's also the case uh, in, in Europe. You know, Brian, last night we had those uh, that riot, that pro-terrorist riot at Democrat National Committee headquarters. And the media, I heard they called it a pro-Palestinian demonstration. A pro, you know, six cops were uh, assaulted. I mean, that damn near sounds like January 6th, right? I mean, and then we know that that was the worst day that ever happened. Um, did you see the news last night? It, it was it was so interesting uh, to see uh, the, these, I guess we'll call them people, uh, Greg. I mean, they, they look more like lunatics, if I'm being honest with you. Um, you know, shouting and screaming and trying to to knock the doors down of their own allies. Uh, I mean, these people are just so deranged. And and what 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 they what I can't seem to understand is is why they are so supportive 
uh, of Hamas. And, and and what's so interesting to me as well is, you know, there were just 300,000 Jews that were in Washington, D.C. You know, no cop cars were, were set afire. No buildings were burned to the ground. There was no graffiti. There was no spray paint. So when Jews get together and stand together, building, cities don't burn to the ground. But when the left and progressives do, things burn. Very interesting. It is interesting. Fascinating. Well, I'm glad you're out there, Brian. And so Andy, no, we're glad you're out there, but be careful, please. You can go to andy-nongo.com, andy-ngo.com, and Brian E. Lieb, Brian with a Y, L-E-I-B.com. Thank you, gentlemen, very much. We'll be right back. So today it looked like Joe Biden beamed down from a spaceship somewhere and he had never been on the planet earth before seemed to be totally and completely lost seriously take a look hey it's like he's never been to such a meeting before he's going to look at the guy next to him like what's happening can you tell me what's happening Hello? What do I do now? The president of the United States. There you go. There you go. Thankfully. Yeah. All right. Now, I think he I thought he was going to go to the restroom, but he's going to say something. And sorry to keep you waiting. Yeah. Why were you keeping us waiting? (laughs) Sorry. We expect more. We deserve more from a president of the United States. It's kind of sad. We are so much better than this. Wow. Jill, Tony, the rest of them. You got to get this guy to resign. I could Kamala. I mean, Well, then again, there's Kamala. Hmm. We are screwed. I'll be right back. So have you got Newsmax Plus yet? Uh, If you have Newsmax on cable or on a satellite TV subscription, you really don't need Newsmax Plus. But if you get it through Roku or you want to stream it, it's really a great deal. I highly recommend it. I have it. We bought it. We bought it as a family. And it's great. Newsmaxplus.com. Go to it. You'll get Newsmax 2, and you'll also get the main Newsmax uh, with all these great shows and also specials and movies and all kinds of things. Newsmaxplus.com. Please check it out. And let's get a weather report, shall we? Madeline, what's going on? Rain. Rain. It's raining. All right. I, it's not as dangerous as it looks. That window opens about a half inch. And uh, yikes. I don't like it. If I were there, I wouldn't have done it this way. But uh, it is safe. That's Madeline. She's one. And no way are we letting her fall out of any window. Okay. Thank you very much. I'll see you tomorrow.